Hi, this is Dylan Rosenblatt, the CEO and co-founder of Autograph.io, the platform reshaping fandom through unique digital connections. I'm on the Edge of NFT podcast, the leading podcast to teach you how to learn more about the space and get involved. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out how today's guest lives his company's core values every day. And why a DeLorean might help today's guest accomplish several of his personal goals. And how all our guests are democratizing NFT and IP ownership in unique ways. All this and more on today's episode. And don't forget, we put together a little soiree called NFTLA just a few months back that brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the space. Head to 2023.nftla.live to get on the whitelist for tickets to our bigger, bolder, better, but also just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd. See you there. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Dylan Rosenblatt. He's a co-founder and CEO of Autograph, an NFT platform that brings together the most iconic brands and legendary names in sports, entertainment, and culture to create unique digital collections and experiences to better connect fans to the things they love. At Autograph, Dylan has ideated and built a groundbreaking NFT platform and business solution for the sports and entertainment industries. He has secured partnerships with titans of business, including Draft, Kings, and Lionsgate, to bring his vision to life and spearhead negotiations with the world's leading entertainers and athletes to sign them with Autograph. In addition to partnerships, Rosenblatt is scaling product, creative technology, and marketing functions in preparation for the company's formal launch. Notable Autograph board members include Sam Bankman-Fried, The Weeknd, Peter Mattoon, and Michael Meldman. Dylan, welcome to Edge of NFT. It's great to have you on. Why don't you uh, unmute yourself and say hi? Hey, everybody. And thank you, Ethan, Jeff, and Josh for having me. It's been a long time coming and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. Usually it's harder to like meet in person, but we had you over at NFTLA. It just took about a year to get you on the show. And we're just pumped, man. When we remember when you announced your vision of Autograph and you know, we've been excited ever since then to see what you guys are cooking up. And it's just an honor to have you on the show. No, I appreciate it. And more than anything, it's an honor to be here. It's actually been 362 days since our first NFT drop. So it's been a fun year. We've learned a lot and I couldn't be more excited for what's next. So excited to be here and chat a little bit about where we've been and where we're going. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the where you've been part in particular, like where you were in founding this thing, right? Like your vision is massive here. You guys are already making you know tremendous progress against that vision. But what's the origin story, man? How did this come about? I was lucky enough to be surrounded by pretty incredible people that I was able to get this vision in front of early on in the NFT game. My personal journey has always been one of entrepreneurship. For me, it was my whole life wanting to start a business from my first company, starting a tutoring app at 15, dubbed the Uber for tutors to connect uh, tutors with students on a mobile app. And from there, just a variety of different startup ideas leading up to the ultimate idea, which was Autograph.io. So I'll skip all the stuff in between, but I was really lucky to be able to bring together amazing people around me, namely Tom Brady as the co-founder of the company, and to have been able to share the vision of creating a safe and accessible destination in this brand new world for the world's biggest icons to come in and engage their communities in brand new ways. The first vertical we started with was collectibles and sports collectibles with utility attached. But longer term, I think as the space develops and people get more comfortable both conceptually and with the technology behind Web3, we're going to get into much more interesting and deeper applications of that tech to really give a new look to fandom and its future. Yeah, man. And if there's any way to ever enable... Tom Brady and Josh Krieger to shake hands. Uh, Josh would be indebted to you forever. I asked him if he could bring anybody to a desert island. That's all that could be there. There's only one person that he ever responds with, and that is Mr. Tom Brady. So if you can make that happen, dude, 
that would be life-changing. It's not off the table. I have to tell you, Tom is one of the truly kindest, most compassionate people. Being able to found this company with him has been an amazing experience. He's been nothing but supportive here for the business, here for me, and hopefully one day (laughs) here to hang with you, Josh. Right on. I just finished that ESPN series Tom produced about sort of his journey and football and how he got to where he is. And man, I was fanboying the whole time. I mean, he lives his own ethos. He drinks his own Kool-Aid in every way. And it's really cool. You know, we were in the food world too and saw Tom get into that world. Jeff's a, a vegetarian now. And I'm so focused personally on performance and recovery with my own sort of health now that I'm in my 40s. And and I think it's the full circle, right? Work hard, play hard, create amazing things, but take care of yourself because you only have one you. It's that uh, championship mentality, right? With his brands like TB12 and others, he really does, like you said, live what he preaches about treating your body well, recovering right, and setting yourself up for the long term. So absolutely. I just need to comment, when we end up on that desert island trying to play football, let's make sure we pack the sunscreen and drink plenty of water. <laughs> and make sure that it's a two-hand touch, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And also, just notably on that documentary, we actually did our a drop with Man in the Arena. It was ESPN's first ever NFT drop on DraftKings Marketplace, which was a lot of fun. So the collectibles for that came out great, and it was pretty exciting to away some ESPN Plus subscriptions. too. So cool. I have my girlfriend gave me that drop as one of my Hanukkah presents last year, I think. So that was my favorite Hanukkah present was that NFT and I am holding. That's pretty cool for me to hear, honestly, that that one of our NFTs was given as a gift. I've heard it a couple of times, but it never gets old. So this is perfect. My next question, I think we just answered it, but maybe we could dive a little bit deeper. My question was kind of, you know, who is Autograph's kind of target customer and how are you serving them? to make their lives easier other than providing them their girlfriend a gift for them for Hanukkah and coming on their podcast. I think if you look (laughs) at what Autograph's audience has been, it's been a combination of existing DraftKings users dropping the majority of our NFTs on their marketplace and the true super fans and icons and traditional collectors that collect around our icons and the memorabilia space. And longer term, our core audience, whether on DraftKings or new to Autograph, is that true fan and collector and the person that holds a piece of memorabilia to feel one step closer to somebody who might be their hero or to a property that they only have a few opportunities to express their fandom and engage with other fans. We want to give that person a brand new destination uh, to belong and a product to own and feel really good about. The pride of ownership is a true thing. I think that NFTs have actually unlocked a brand new way to engage. The analogy I like to use is, we'll use Tom and Tampa as an example. If you're in another city and you walk into a bar in a Tampa Bay jersey and see another fan wearing that Tampa jersey, you're much more likely to engage and interact and actually form a relationship, even if it's short-lived. I think that NFT ownership has given people a new permission to engage and to form into communities and to be social. And I think we've seen it across projects, regardless of the success. So our target customer is somebody that's looking for both that place to belong, that place to engage, and that place to get closer to their icon. And it's a lot of fun, of course, too. If you look at the opportunities online today, when I say belong, you look at Reddit, you look at Twitter, you look at Instagram. Within this community, whether it be a Discord or longer term on Autograph, the goal is to give a brand new look to engaging digitally with like-minded people. I just had a flashback moment, Jeff, to one of our old ideas we're ideating on, which was this way for fans that were traveling out of town in a random bar to be able to find other fans of the same team of theirs to watch the game, right? You want to see the Celtics play with other Celtics fans, you know? You want to see Tom break a new record with someone else that cares. And so like this idea of like creating that deeper connection, not only to fans, to the athletes and entertainers they love, but to each other is very powerful. I think of that How I Met Your Mother episode where there's the Vikings bar just for Minnesota Viking fans. I mean, a way to have that kind of community feel and also the discoverability is an issue as well. But hopefully once the communities get, when we go from icons to other properties and other just things that have natural engagement around them, the community can form themselves and build those in real life connections. Yeah. Nothing stronger too than like sports teams, right? I mean, at the end of the day, that passion at whatever level, whether it's pro collegiate, or even in some cases like local, it's amazing, man. It's so powerful. Like it's hard to find other communities like that. 
and the longevity as well. Yeah, right? that's right. Like the fact that it can be passed down for generations, a Bucks fan, a Bucks fan, a Bucks fan for years. I mean, it, it's pretty uh, amazing. Oh, yeah. I've been in L.A. for over seven years now, and I'm just starting to come around to L.A. teams like it took a long time. Right. It's like that attachment to your favorite teams. It takes a little while to grow and cultivate. It doesn't happen overnight and it lasts a very long time. So let's talk a little bit about accessibility, too, because we know that mainstream adoption is the goal of many in the industry in Web3. And it's really important that everyone gets the benefit from the type of projects that are being built. And part of that is sort of pricing it in the right way, setting up payment systems that, that make sense and that our mothers and our grandmothers can use easily if they want to get into the mix. What are the types of measures that you've taken to make this more approachable for the masses? I think it's a combination of accessible price points and simple payment solutions. We sold our first ever NFTs actually at $12 in NFT. Some scaled to be on the higher price point, but the majority of our NFTs have been under $100, which we think is a huge barrier to entry for a lot of people looking at the space that just want to dip a toe in or that collect in the physical world. Of course, the highest end signed memorabilia is worth much more. But if you look into just buying a pack of cards or a traditional trading card, they are excessively priced. So for us, the price point meant a lot, but also part of the decision to work with DraftKings Marketplace was that they were going to be credit card first. Taking crypto and in the Ethereum ecosystem um, on Polygon, whatever it may be, is a huge priority for us. But I think that when I sit back and think about it, there are entire design disciplines created about making things as easy as possible for a user to either purchase or engage with your product. And for us, it was always... Look at how many steps it takes for someone to learn about this new ecosystem. Now, I think there are benefits to that as well, because once you start to really understand how the ecosystem works and you have your own non-custodial wallet that you can take from application to application and really see the magic of the ecosystem, I think you're hooked for life. But I also think it's hard for a lot of people to dedicate the time and energy to really figure it out. And they've heard about the hacks, the scams, all of the above. So I really do think there's a strong place for both, both using traditional product design thinking to make it as simple as possible, namely sign up and credit card, and then taking advantage of the technology and all the benefits that come with the centralization. So to sum it up, I think it's selling things at an accessible price point the consumer can understand, collect, and enjoy, and also really making sure that there's a simple option to purchase. We had a kid on here a few weeks ago from Egypt who is diving headfirst into crypto and NFTs. You know, he's talking about how he he didn't have a credit card. He didn't even have PayPal, but he was generating his wealth through crypto, right? Directly there. But yeah, you got to think about those factors, right? It's like kids collectibles. You could only make so much more on your lawn or something like that. You want you want them to be able to enjoy like getting involved early and have that same experience people were able to have with collectible trading cards and things like that many years ago, right? Look, and the way I think about it is it's really the application of the technology. When you have custody of your own wallet, you can go from platform to platform with the items you own, with that identity, with that place on the in the market and in the ecosystem. It's incredibly powerful. I do think it is still a bit complicated for the average person to adopt to. So I think there's going to be a point when it becomes as simple as purchasing anything else online. And that's when the space really, really explodes. So I'm bullish on the technology and its applications 100%. But I think the design aspect, whether it be credit card payments or making paying in cryptocurrency simpler, that's really that's really where I think things need to head for the space to reach the billion people it can. Yeah, yeah. So we think about core values a lot here with all of our projects. You know, we're not just doing the podcast. We've got NFTLA, kind of got a larger organization, some tech things going on. I think a lot of things rise to the top. Co-creation is, is one of the things we always talk about, community, transparency. I would love to get your thoughts on core values, whether they're encoded or just things that pop in your head and kind of how do you translate that into what you're building? Core values for us were to create something that everybody could purchase in a simple way and something they could genuinely own and enjoy that led into telling a unique story about the icon that likely couldn't be told in the physical world in the same way. 
So in Tom's collection, for example, we were able to take multiple or digital representations of multiple items that told the story of him coming into the NFL, the QB1 jersey, the stopwatch with 5.28 seconds, not the most impressive 40 time he's gotten to speed up. But anyway, it was us being able to tell those stories digitally and give something to fans. It's a new look and a new form of memorabilia. So that was really exciting for us. And when it comes to community values, we preach a place of respect and for people to get along in autograph.io, both to those running the project and to each other. I think that's really important to have a positive environment over the long term. And as we develop, as you called it our formal launch, I kind of look at it as the next chapter since we've been around and with our community for quite a bit of time now. But in this next chapter, I want the community to design the values for themselves because that's really who it's for, right? The autograph company principles can make it easy for you to get in the door and purchase, but I want them to have the autonomy and the ability to actually say, this is what needs to matter to us. This is how we should behave with each other. And this is ultimately what we want to build through our interactions and behavior. Yeah, dude, that's special. So you're talking about core values and, you're, and what you're really addressing is, is community and how you, you incorporate community into your thinking, your planning, your actions. What else can you tell us about that community? You know, how's it forming? How's it going? How connected are you with them? And what platforms do you use to drive them forward? Yeah, personally, I'm very connected to the community. When I see the usernames chatting back and forth, of course, I know them all by name. I've been lucky enough to meet a lot in person. We've hosted quite a few community events at this point, whether it was a, as simple as a meetup in LA all the way to the match in Las Vegas, which is for anyone who doesn't know, it's the Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers golf match hosted at the Win in Las Vegas. We're able to have about 40 collectors out to come hang out with each other, meet the team, go to some fun dinners and top golf events. So meeting them in person was really special. And then most recently, I wasn't actually able to attend, but in Tampa this weekend, we had 21 or 22 collectors and their plus ones down for a VIP experience at training camp. There was a fun dinner hosted the night before the autograph team. And then the next day they were able to hang out with the family and friends around training camp in the special bucks area, and then got a live meet and greet with Tom. So for those that have been here for a while and collecting, it was pretty amazing to have that experience uh, go so smoothly. And if you look on Twitter, people are really excited about it. And I think like about our core values, we want to deliver something really special for our collectors and something that you really can't get or would be difficult to get without autograph. And it was really special to see that vision come to life in that instance. All right. So I think we got it, guys. I got to figure out what the minimum number of NFTs to hold to, to be invited to the next one of those. And I'm going to start buying. All I need is a location. I could throw a rock at Tampa from here, man. I'm down in Sarasota. So <laughs> give me a location. I'll find a way. <laughs> you probably cool. know the dinner spot they were at. I mean, I think that it's a, the collecting is one aspect. And I think the contributing is another. Like yeah. you look at the community and you ask about my relationship. I know the people that are providing immense value to autograph and autograph nation, as we call it. There have been people that set up community games in partnership with our moderators that are full-time employees and actually set up something for the community to engage night after night. It was this survivor game they put on and it was pretty amazing. So to see those collectors also be rewarded for their behaviors and positive contributions, I think is something really special and something that I want to lean into more as this project and company develops. Yeah, that's beautiful. We have this thing we do called fan shout outs where we just give love to the folks in our community that have like given love to us. You know, it's a really simple sort of fundamental human concept. But I think, you know, our society has gone quite transactional in nature. And at the end of the day, there's so many different ways to contribute value in society. And I'm going to pause here. I just heard the recording stop, Ethan. Yeah, that'll be from Ethan's core recording. And what we have is our backup recording on the live stream. That's a backup. And then I just started recording again. So we'll have multiple backups here. And I don't know if he lost power as well. I just had a crazy storm. That's what kicked me off a few minutes ago. But we'll see here. Let me just prepare no storms in LA. Contingencies, just a heat wave. Um, what one benefit of being in Venice, like 15 degrees cooler this for the next month. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we'll continue. Ethan, we'll, uh, we'll join back here in a second. Josh, so, go ahead. So there's so many different ways that community can contribute value. And it doesn't have to be collecting. It can be just being involved on Discord or on Twitter and just sort of adding value. And I think that's one of the beautiful components of Web3, that everyone can have a role in the community. And on that note, 
I think this is really about democratization of value for creators, for collectors, for fans, for builders. And, you know, I'd love to get your perspective on what democratizing the NFT space means to you. Yeah, I think it's setting up the right infrastructure as a company to create those opportunities. I think about you look at the most pure opportunity is like, for example, a layer one blockchain, like the Ethereum ecosystem, where anybody can come in, use the technology, benefit from the liquidity and start their own business and build something amazing. So I think for something like ours, it's an application today on top of Ethereum, on top of Polygon. The goal is for us to design those systems for a community to actually be able to get involved and let their effort actually translate into something meaningful for them. So we're early on that path and journey, but it's something that I'm really excited about. And when you talk about democratizing the community, I think that a lot of people are limited by the supply of NFTs and the price point as well. If there are only 10,000 at a very high price point, it's probably difficult for someone to join the community. Us being able to get out a high volume of NFTs at a relatively accessible price point creates an opportunity for more and more people to come in and join. So when Jeff was asking about the community today, as we went through our chapter one on DraftKings, we built a strong audience and a strong community, but we're going to be doing our next series of drops on autograph.io, which I couldn't be more excited about. We're going to be taking a credit card payment. The target consumer should be someone that collect someone that's looking for an awesome community to be a part of, someone that's a fan of all of our pretty amazing icons from Brady to Tiger to The Weeknd, whoever it may be. So on this podcast, we welcome all new people to come join Autograph Nation. If you come in, everyone's friendly and excited to have you. So we're looking to expand and grow this community as well, because when you think about us not just owning one piece of IP, whether it be around from Autograph or around the partner, we work with a variety of different athletes and entertainment properties. So to be able to service that kind of talent, we want an amazing and big audience that's all united by those values and what we talked about earlier. Yeah, man, there's so much goodness in there. And, you know, when we think about like the application of, we always like to elevate examples of how you've deployed those core values, your community, your overall vision. You had this Rafael Nadal drop recently and wanted to know, man, like, how did it go? Like, what'd you think about it? What'd you guys learn? How's it going now? And, and we'll leave it at that. Well, I think the concept of celebrating a historic moment in Rafael Nadal's career with his community was a very good one. His 22 grand slams was an epic achievement. And we were able to get 22 of those signed NFTs out the door, which people were pretty excited about. And people were actually able to get physically signed rackets from him as well as the utility. So we thought that was a pretty special and unique offering on DK. The drop from the start, if I could go back, I would have waited a bit of time and gone on a decentralized ecosystem or an autograph.io because I think the majority of his fan base is actually in Spain and the broader territory. I mean, broader territories around it. So I would have loved to give that fan a first opportunity. On the DraftKings marketplace, it's North America focused right now. Users can then withdraw their NFTs into their decentralized wallets and take them to other parts of the ecosystem. But I think for the next thing we do with Rafael Nadal, first memorabilia in our classic mystery box format was fun, but we really want to get into driving longer term fan experiences that a global audience can access. So we went through GDPR, all of the above internally and on autograph to be able to make that happen for the next one. Yeah. Well, special one for sure for his fans though. And I think we always talk about, you know, when we're trying to get people that aren't in this space to understand like some of the benefits here of, of building out these projects and uh, incorporating utility, whether it's IRL or URL, you got to really dial in on what it is that people are passionate about. Cause it's hard. If you're not, if you don't, not a Nadal fan, or a tennis fan, you may not get it. It may not resonate with you. But if you're like super into motorcycles and I could talk to you about like connecting you with the person that designed a particular bike or somebody that's big in the space, whatever it might be, like then it clicks, right? And I think that gets lost. It's so obvious, but it seems to get lost sometimes. And so yeah, these examples, I think are really great use cases for roadmap for people to do really amazing things in the space. Yeah, totally. You guys have like the all-star team of entertainment and sports sort of involved in the project and crypto for that matter with Sam. I'd love to sort of learn a little bit more about what you guys are cooking up, maybe some of your upcoming drops that you uh, are able to tell us about. I can't actually disclose too much about the who, but the what I can definitely speak to. So what we want to leave into more and more is these experiences that we've seen our community celebrate, whether it was the Tampa Bay meetup, the match in Las Vegas, us sending collectors to Tony Hawk Vert Alert, 
whatever the application and experience was, I think, especially after two years in COVID, people are looking to get outside, to go experience something new. People have asked me about what my generation likes a lot of times. And I mean, I love experiences. People live for them, right? Whether it's a great dinner or going on a quick trip or going and hang out with friends. I think that's what matters over things. So us leaning into experiences around icons in a brand new way, gated by an NFT, is what gets me really excited. And there's going to be a balance between the existing community and looking at the infrastructure we've set up to provide experiences to them and creating something brand new and attracting new audience overall. But in the upcoming drops for all of our tier one partners, I'm really excited about just thinking through after a year of learnings, a year of drops, what's the real value that we can start providing behind NFT ownership. And I think one of the easy ones is the physical and the meetups and all of the above. The question I have is how does that scale into a continuous fan experience and a continuous community experience? So when I think through the problem statements that and the problems that we want to solve as Autograph, I really just start to think about how do you create that fan experience that lasts and have the NFT offering be the backbone of it? And again, create an accessible way for the user to get in, have the NFT be the backbone of this experience. The NFT tells a story and there's amazing utility attached. And then longer term, how do you leverage the amazing and paradigm shifting technology that is Web3 and the blockchain to actually let those experiences go further and last? So I'm uh, just excited for the future overall. Yeah. In terms of the core product itself, so we can't talk in too much specifics about partnerships forming, but but how about core product development? Like, What's next on that roadmap? It's uh, the Autograph.io platform. That's really what it is. We have an amazing in-house creative team that's continuing to develop really high quality products for the actual NFT offering. We've taken a few really special steps to make our NFTs themselves stand out amongst the crowd. But to talk about more of a traditional website, the autograph.io platform for users to come in, engage, and have that continuous fan experience gets me really excited. And when we talk about the market being, in my opinion, semi-fragmented right now, as it should be, in some cases decentralized, but how can we own more of that customer experience with the intention of providing a better one is on the docket for us. So from the point of sale on autograph.io to what you do once you own an autograph NFT, that's really the next thing in development for us. Makes a ton of sense, man. Well, amazing progress to date and quite a roadmap here ahead of you. So we're excited to follow along on your journey. A really amazing time, man. Yeah, we'll be announcing some exciting stuff in the coming month, quarter, whatever it may be. And I'm happy to come back on whatever and chat about it more. We'd love to have you, man. We'd love to have you. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA, let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. 
Let's shift gears for a minute and do a little segment we call Edge Quick Hitters. It's basically 10 set questions that we like to ask to get to know you a little bit better, have a little bit of fun. We're looking for short, single word or few word responses, but we might dive a little deeper here or there. You ready to get in on these? Let's do it. All right, beautiful. Question number one, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? I would have to say Hot Wheels at the local toy store. All right. You got got some of those laying around the place? I don't know if I have my Hot Wheels set anymore. I know some yeah. of those are actually very collectible now. Yeah, that's what um, I was asking, somebody, man. Yeah, they're like, yeah. right. Yeah. But so I think it's got to be either Hot Wheels or I think I can't tell if this is something someone told me your memory, but maybe pacifiers back in the day, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Like, <laughs> but <laughs> right. probably Hot Wheels is the first one I explicitly remember. Nice. Question two. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Oh, that's got to be an easy one. Outside of my house, setting up a lemonade stand and harassing every car that drove by to be able to actually buy a cup of lemonade. So it was definitely setting up a lemonade stand, making cookies, all the above and selling them. And I always realized the fact that you could put the cost back on whatever mom drove to the grocery store and bought the lemonade is a pretty efficient business model, but <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. definitely, definitely lemonade. Yeah. Awesome. Some really, really low uh, cost for that. Hustle. Right. <laughs> nice. Man. Okay. Question number three, what is the most recent thing you purchased? Oh boy. I haven't bought something fun in a while. You know, I, dinner doesn't count, right? It has to be sure, a thing. man. Yeah. No, whatever, man. Yeah. That, that works. Yeah. I went to a great, last thing I actually paid for, I went great dinner with, with the lady a little bit ago. So that was awesome. That's some good okay. Greek food. Greek stuff. Oh yeah. That's... Question four. What's the most recent thing you sold? I think it was my TV. Uh, finishing, finishing up school, didn't need the TV anymore. So I uh, yeah. sold it. Out of there. Right on. Question five. What is your most prized possession? Most prized possession. I have to tell you, I really lean experiences over things. That's why mm-hmm. you heard me pause on the last three things. Like yeah. I'd much rather go, I don't know, do a night somewhere or go for a drive or a hike or something. But maybe this Apple watch right now, really enjoying the Apple watch. I'm tracking my steps. It's making me get more active. Things awesome. It also kind of nice. feels like I'm in spy kids at the time when I dictate <laughs> into it. And yeah. I know to a lot of listeners here that have had Apple watches for years, it's nothing new, but I'm still in that it's like my third day <laughs> using oh, yeah. the flow. Nice. I got it about a month ago, actually for the birthday present from the same girlfriend that bought me the autograph NFT. So you got to try the heart rate monitor. It's pretty dope. And then there's some really cool sleep apps where it'll literally tell you how you're sleeping and sort of wake you up in a very sort of slow, like safe way that makes you like happier when you wake up. We'll have to take this offline. I need the full rundown. But do you still have the fascination after a month? Oh yeah. No, I'm still exploring. There's like a lot to it. And like, there's this whole, the ring versus the Apple watch camp, but I think the watch is the way to go. Definitely. All right. I'll take a look. I still got my Garmin over here, but we'll see. All right. Question number six, if you could buy anything in the world, I think I know where we're going to go with this one, but digital physical service or an experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? Ooh. And this is going for like a materialistic type of thing, right? Like we're going for whatever you got your eye on, brother. <laughs> okay. Whatever you know. we'll, we'll go for, like keeping light materials. I think that's either cool. an awesome vacation somewhere in Europe. You name it, I could be convinced of just about anywhere you convince me of, Jeff. Or I've had my car for a bit. I love it, but a new car maybe. <laughs> Something time. like that. Yeah, yeah. I, think it, I think it's about time. So if we're going down the just pure enjoyment path, one of those two things. But it's so the work we're doing at Autograph is so exciting, but I'm a big travel guy. So I'd love to get out All right. to well, at some point. So I oh, just yeah. I just interviewed the CEO of DeLorean. So they've got an NFT production line project where you can get a spot for the next version of the DeLorean coming out soon. So something to keep your eye on. Or actually, can I change my answer to a crypto punk? I would really like a crypto punk. Yes, you can. Whether it's ape or a punk, I have my doodle right now, which I'm loving, but but I've wanted those since the first time I saw an NFT started autograph. Yeah, yeah, I got you, buddy. All right, question number seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? This was kind of a hard one for me, but I think maybe humor and empathy, a combination of the two. Yeah. Being able to make other people laugh, take an optimistic look at things, and then really caring for others. So important. Question number eight, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? I'd say worry or fear. I think as 
whether it's founding a startup or it's going through the ebbs and flows of life, as long as you're making responsible decisions and doing so with your heart in the right place, the worry doesn't really need to be there. I think it actually can limit your potential. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, things generally work themselves out. So we'd probably get rid of that. Rock and roll. Question nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I grabbed this protein bar right here and took a lap around the office to get ready for a nice hour conversation. All right, right on. Last one, question 10. What are you going to do next after the podcast? I'm getting back to work. We got some exciting stuff coming up. Uh, Some new launches coming, uh, looking to grow this community. I'm back to work. All right, right on, man. Well, that's Edge Quick Hitters. Thanks so much for sharing with us. We do appreciate it. No, thank you. So, yeah, man. All right, so let's move on to segment three. This is a segment that we call Hot Topics. And so, Elisa and Kardik, if you could join us, that would be amazing. Uh, today's hot topic is all about Uppercut Training Club, and uh, we are fortunate to have Elisa and Kardik with us today to talk about it. We'll get Kardik on in a second. Elisa, what's up? Hi, guys. How are you? Very well, very well. Let me know Elisa and, uh, and Dylan have a connection in our universe and that they were both on stage together at NFTLA a few months back, uh, one of our events. So nice uh, serendipity here that we have you both on the show at the same time. Yeah. Nice to see you, Elisa. Yeah, this thank you awesome. for making me, me look good on stage. Uh, one know, of the first to ever be able to do that. So thank you. <laughs> it was awesome. It was honestly really cool listening into your segment. That was awesome. Yeah. So Uppercut Training Club, talk to us about it. Like what's going on over here? Lots of moving pieces. Sure. So I'll tee it up and pass it to Karthik, our fearless CEO. But Jump Cut Media is an incredible AI-based production company. It's backed by Atomic VC. WME, A-Rod, a lot of really interesting notables. But with Karthik at the helm, it's been a really honestly delightful experience because they're genuinely trying to decentralize, democratize, diversify Hollywood through Web3. And so while they use amazing AI technology to unearth underserved storytellers and even really cool like backstory generating technology and lending tools that can white label on other platforms or stand alone, At the crux, it's creating Web3 native projects that can ultimately be the next action hero franchise and really giving storytellers a much more accessible voice. And we have an incredibly exciting Uppercut Training Club project coming up. It mints August 30th. And I'll pass it to Karthik to give you a little more info, but really excited to be a part of this and really believe that it is the future, that we're in the future, that NFTs and and Dylan spoke about experiences earlier and how important that relationship is with the community, with the icons, with the the overall brand. And I think that with the storytelling and with the experiences, unlocking the story and being a part of that choose your own adventure, we're trying to digitize just that. So pass that to Karthik, but really excited and appreciate being here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Alisa. First of all, uh, thank you guys for having me. It's a great pleasure. Big fan of the podcast. And Dylan, as a founder, I could really relate to what you were saying about the trait you want to pass on and the trait you want to get rid of. I would probably pick the exact same one. So really nice to hear that. Yeah. So, you know, as Alyssa was saying, really what got us started was this observation of how Hollywood has historically been very top down, few exec decide what gets made and by whom. And the result is that the industry is not particularly inclusive for creators. It's also one where fans are relegated to being mere consumers. And we wanted to really flip that. And so with Uppercut Training Club, we're trying to build the next great action franchise bottom up with communities where fans have a say in how the franchise gets built. So imagine owning an NFT for a character and that character becomes the Luke Skywalker of the story universe. That's the promise of what we're trying to build. And we have a great creative team, which includes directors of projects like Book of Boba Fett and Mortal Kombat series. We've got writers and producers of top shows for Netflix and Amazon who are part of the creative team. We're paired that with a great technology team that really understands what Web3 is all about and creating a compelling product experience where NFT holders can participate in quests and contribute to the story universe. And in fact, I'd love to talk a little bit at some point about the story itself and Dungeons and Dragons style quests we've built around as well. I that's mean, at a high level I mean we're here. Tell us a little bit more. <laughs> I'm going to get a major case of FOMO if you don't share a little that bit is... of the story. No time. Oh, like okay, great. Yeah. That was a brilliant cliffhanger though. We're ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much time we have. I wasn't sure if we want to leave that for a future podcast, but you know, when we looked at a lot of NFTs today, there's some great artwork 
people buy the NFT, you hold on to it for some time, but then after a while you get bored of the NFT and then maybe you decide you sell it. And we kind of said, look, it's got to be much more than the artwork. So the NFT is a character in a story. And the story that our creative team is creating is that three senses are out to rediscover a lost, the ultimate martial art. And everything today is a subset of it, but it's lost in time. And they're all trying to rediscover it. They're competing to do so. What they don't know is that they better collaborate along the way before the dark forces find it. Each sensei starts a dojo. And once a user mints an NFT, you enroll your NFT character into one of the dojos that's whose personality best matches yours. And then every week you solve a series of quests that your dojo sensei gives you. These could be IRL quests. They could be virtual quests. It might be creating a backstory for your NFT character or going for a run. Mental fitness, physical fitness, storytelling. So all of these are part of those quests. And ultimately, you're trying to help your sensei unlock the lost martial art. And by doing so, you earn points for yourself and you earn points for your dojo. So it's a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons quests mixed with your favorite martial arts movie. So that's what it's about. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also like a euphemism for all sports, right? Like I think about all the different coaching philosophies and basketball and in the differences between the camps and MMA fighting. And Jeff and I are, are big UFC fans. And like, there's just so many different ways to go about sort of inspiring the best out of your team, right? And some are very relatable and some just aren't a fit for you. That's exactly right. In fact, some of the senseis that are the NFT holders are going to interact with, they're Hollywood stuntmen, there are MMA fighters, and there's real martial artists who are going to be your sensei, who are going to train you. And it's exactly that kind of spirit that you're talking about. I'm trying to decide, like, do I want A-Rod as my sensei or like, you know, <laughs> someone else? I don't know. Dylan, what are your thoughts on all this, man? Sounds pretty amazing. Maybe we can help uh, bring a sensei to the table at some point. But I love the premise of decentralized content creation and these decentralized quests like the community form naturally that you've talked about. I think it's philosophically very Web3 and I'm excited to learn more. I want Big Poppy from the Red Sox to be my sensei. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's speaking what I... my love language as a native masshole, I am all the way for it. <laughs> he would inspire me 100%. That's great. We're going to do some kind of giveaway, guys. So thank you for that. We'll announce the details on social soon and sort of folks can be tuned into that and participate in some way. So we really appreciate that. And we're just excited about what you guys are doing. And it's really a spirit of where this industry is going with these multidimensional projects that sort of touch on the arts and entertainment industry in a really profound way. And that's why we do it. the whole ethos behind NFTLA is this intermixing of and cross-collaboration among all these different types of IPs. And it sounds like you're really putting a lot of thought into this. For sure. And I think, you know, to Karthik's point, the quests are both building lore around the character and the story world, but also creating collaborative versus competitive gamification, right? So if Dylan has a super dope NFT, which by the way, is not just static art, it's gamified, it's animated, it's collaborating these iconic writers and producers and creatives with some of the top artists on the Unreal Engine and these sort of epic fight scene payoffs, right? But you get to participate in where that story goes, but down to like, what is the domo? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What are the real world IRL activities to also earn and become more participatory? So whether you are web one, web two, web three, or precursor to web four, right? There's this really incredibly integrated community and storyland where you get to be a cook in the kitchen a little bit. And when we think about how stories are told in Hollywood or even the comics world or literature or any form of retail, there's a lot of folks in ivory towers. There's a lot of folks that are obviously monolithic, monochromatic, very homogenous, et cetera. And to be able to equalize that and not other those that have been in power or not, but actually just have a more accessible entry point. And I think that the ethos is that if there's less of a barrier at entry, there's just a more equal playing field to do all the things, tell the stories, produce great works, develop the next franchise. And that's really special. So that's been really fun to work on with these guys. And I think they're also doing some projects we can't quite talk about yet, but really amazing community building and women as well and what narrative storytelling looks like for these incredible collectives that already exist to really work together and build stories together. 
and how to also diversify resources. You know, there's a lot of tools. It's not just money. It's also money, but there's a lot of tools to be a creative entrepreneur, to be a digital entrepreneur in Web3. And I've been really inspired by what that looks like in investment in the most traditional sense, but also in education in workshops and access and building out the hall of heroes for Uppercut, for example. And I think we kind of mentioned, but if you go to uppercuttrainingclub.com, there's that personality test to identify which domo you even feel a sense of belonging to, right? Like, are you more kind of Zen empathetic, like use intellect over brawn? Are you more bold and ferocious? Like the different subsets of even our own personalities, right? I'm all over the place. So I probably need one of each, but I think it's just really finding your tribe a little bit. So what I would say too, with Uppercut in particular is what does it look like to have a seat at the table, but also what if you could loan that same NFT? So if you think about the guilds, the associations, the groups that may not even have the socioeconomic advantage or access, what if you could rent the runway, right? Like what if you could actually rent or loan in a meaningful way for a period of time, non-exclusive rights, what IP looks like, what smart contracts look like in a way that more people can be involved in the storytelling process. That's the solution they're really coming with from a technical perspective that I think can change the game across a lot of marketplaces, platforms, blockchains, beyond even just a really cool drop on August 30th. Amazing stuff. Yeah. Uh, super exciting things happening. All the, the principles that we're talking about here are so foundational to the projects that we believe are really going to move the needle. So it's great to hear that. And I think there's this element too, that maybe a lot of people don't understand. It's part of the magic that's happening there. That is the storytelling element of this. It's not just in the core product, but also in how you're describing your roadmap. There's this customer journey that you're describing that's rooted in storytelling, narrative storytelling, and entertainment, really, right? And so being able to, to capture that and find that in a way that makes this fun and interesting and attractive for members of that community to participate, actively engage and actively participate. There's a magic in there that I think a lot of people miss and you guys obviously have not. So we really appreciate that and appreciate you sharing all these details. Appreciate your generosity with the giveaway. So keep an eye on our socials for that. And lastly, where should folks go to follow everything that's happening here on social? Yeah. So for the project, first of all, our website is uppercuttrainingclub.com. Our Twitter is at UppercutNFT, so it's pretty easy to find. And yeah, you can find us in these places. And, and I guess one quick thing that I'll mention, Jeff, uh, since you brought up many different aspects of these projects, but one of the things you latched onto was the storytelling as being a key one. One last thing I wanted to mention was we look at Hollywood and Hollywood's amazing at storytelling, but one of the things Hollywood hasn't got is community and opening up the gates and making things accessible, you know, and embracing communities. And one of the things we note with Web3 is it's the framework that's built around communities, but the lore and storytelling is today still very superficial. So we're really trying to bring the two together. Content and storytelling is what engages the community and community is what elevates the storytelling. So that's what we're all about. Yeah. Well, and again, it's uppercuttrainingclub.com. Uh, Thanks. Beautiful. And on Twitter, we'll be doing some fun spaces, hopefully with you guys as well at Uppercut NFT. And then, you know, one thing I just wanted to add was one of our colleagues, Eric, always says that for too long, heroes have been narrowly defined as the Johns and the Jacks, the Wick, McLean, Connor, Rambo, the Reacher, Ryan, Sparrow, and they all kind of look alike. They all kind of feel alike. They all kind of do alike. And not to take away from some of the most iconic franchises and heroes of our time, most of which I'm a stand for. But what does it look like when we represent these senseis, these combat warriors and heroes a little bit more broadly? Could they be disabled? Could they be women? Could they be any ethnicity, any nationality? What does that look like and feel like so that people can see it to be it and feel a little bit more of a sense of belonging, even coming into the community, even if you're not a Tom Brady or an A-Rod or even a Karthik, who's a brilliant academic and engineer, right? Like if you're not that yet, and you want to find your place, you got to show different faces for it and different bodies and different looks and feels. So that's really cool. And as you guys see like the artwork and sort of what the heroes in this more inclusive world look like, I think you'll get a sense of that. And then it's also just iconic fight scenes. Like at the end of the day, if you like martial arts, if you like gaming, you know, coming from a gaming background and having had a lot of fun getting to talk with Dylan and Autograph and Baron and a bunch of folks at NFTLA around what the sports world looks like coming into owning fandom and owning that sense of, wow, 
you have a name and likeness or you have an IP or you have a, an identity that so many people find inspiring, aspirational, motivational. What does that look like in Web3? And I think, like I said, Dylan spoke to it earlier, Karthik summed it up beautifully, but it is that hybrid reality of on and offline storytelling, as Jeff said, where it's getting more depth and more substance, but also taking it across platforms and not living in isolation in Web3, but bringing Web3 into the real world and bringing the real world into this new reality that is Web3 and intersectionally, not just as plus ones to the party. Absolutely. Couldn't be more excited about it. Uppercut Training Club, keep an eye out. Great things forthcoming. Thanks so much, Alisa and Karthik, for, for joining us today. And we'll catch up very soon. Thanks. Thanks. So very cool stuff all around. Yeah, Dylan, I, I, I do see some really neat intersections with what they're doing and what you guys are doing there around some of these athletes, man. It's very cool. And also just, we talk to a lot of people, both on the podcast and just general in the space all over the world at different events and whatnot. And when you really start to look at and break down, man, these all these core values that you've been talking about the whole time, not just in concept, but actually in execution as well. It makes for something that's really distinctive in the space and something we just need more of. So really appreciate you being a great example for those other folks building other projects, trying to move the space forward for how to structure something of meaning. I really appreciate that, man. I think that those of us that are building in the space, I don't use the term building a lot, but those of us that are working in the space are all understand how early we really are. Yeah. You look at the examples of tech innovation and history that at first was high price. And then of course the price comes down, or of course the actual application wasn't found yet. And then it was found later on. I think we're right at that point in the NFT space where things are starting to get more accessible. People are starting to figure out the actual functions for the technology, both mm-hmm. accessing the physical, the digital, telling stories. So I just couldn't be more bullish on the next 5, 10, 15 years to come for everything NFTs and Web3. Hell yeah, man. Totally. 100%. So so look, we got to make sure folks know where to go to follow Autograph and yourself and all these amazing things that are forthcoming, all all these cool drops and everything you weren't able to tell us all about today and everything you were. So where should we send them? Well, if you want to be bored, my Twitter is uh, DylanRose24. But if you want to follow the fun stuff, check out Autograph on Twitter autograph.io on Instagram. Our website is autograph.io. You can actually sign up and mint your own username on Polygon, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool just for employing it. It's yours though. Can't change it. <laughs> Feels it's a permanent, but you can mint your own username and then everyone's hanging out in the autograph discord. It's not gated by the need to hold the token quite yet. So feel free to yeah jump in, hang out, get to know the community. And this has been great. Uh, thank you all for having me. Yeah, man. It's been great to have you on. Check it out, everybody. Autograph, making waves, making the future right now. We're trying. Thank you, man. (laughs) You got it, brother. So I think we have reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. Al, go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Also look us up on all major social platforms by typing edge of NFT with no spaces to start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again, Dylan, for sharing this time with us today. Yeah, again, thank you, man. This episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program. We are very selective when deciding who to have on these shows, but we are learning as we go just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.